we got we got knocked down. Uh huh. But uh, we back. You know that was just the warm up. Um, we're recording. It's hot. Oh my god. They they'll, they'll never understand. No, I'm just saying like. Oh. All that all that content. <laughs> I was listening to one of my my favorite podcasts this week, and they got on, and they were like. I, they were like, I don't know how we're going to do this because we just recorded this amazing episode <laughs> and it turns out that none of it was recording. And they were just like, so it, it was very funny because they <laughs> the episode was them recapping the episode that they just recorded. Oh, my God. And I felt so bad for them. I'm like, that is one of my greatest fears. And tonight it became a reality. And tonight it became a reality. So, okay, we're starting this again. Yep. Uh, let's start it from just like the fucking top of the show. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to a podcast that has no name. My name is Edward Leon Jasper. And I'm Matthew Elam. And we are, this is take two of, to, of today's episode of The Great Hack. And, um, before we get started, Matt, what's what's been going on with you? What's happening? <laughs> not too much. Not too much. Um, you know, work is on a different schedule. So we're kind of easing back into the normal eight to five, Monday through Friday, as opposed to the 10 hour days, which is always appreciated by the end of the summer. You're just beat up and overworked and extremely tired. So oh, happy, happy for that. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that. Oh, excuse me. Keeping up with therapy, um, yeah, better better mental health is key. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah, man. Yeah, love How that good you? mental health. Uh, nothing really too too much. Also busy at work. It's uh, a crazy time where we're about to enter review season, but then we're also doing a lot of like uh, like testing stuff at work. So. Uh-huh. You know, I work for like a e-commerce ca- company and we build all of our own software. And now we're getting to this point where we're growing so big that we need to like really solidify um, the tech that we use. So we're, we're, you know, everyone's like all hands on deck. We're like really, you know, fortifying our, our software. And it's really exciting because I'm getting to explore different things in the code that I didn't before. Nice. And um but it's a lot of work, so uh, you know I'm 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 tired, tired. Yes. Yeah, I feel you. I feel your pain. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that we uh, don't have to record this amazing podcast that we do every week. Yeah, sometimes even twice. If that's sometimes what it takes. even twice. Oh my god! Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> uh, but tonight we're going to be talking about uh, the Great Hack. Mm. Yes, it's yes, a yes. Netflix documentary that just came out like last weekend, maybe. Uh huh. Um, yeah, pr- I saw it pretty recently. Um, but I'm going to give a little synopsis on the show. Um, so, The Great Hack is a Netflix documentary. It follows the story of a Parsons School of Design professor, David Carroll, as he sues Cambridge Analytica for rights to his data which was mined by Facebook and other social media, and to find out what his data has been used for. Along the way, we meet Brittany Kaiser, a former senior employee at Cambridge Analytica who has been helping the FBI to figure out just how deep this plot goes. 
the great hack seeks to expose the truths about social media and just how much information we give away for free. Uh, so for reference for the listeners at home, this is a true story. I don't, I don't know if you guys know, but, uh, there's a lot of speculation that Trump illegally won the election and Cambridge Analytica is a big reason why that might have been the case. So this this whole Cambridge Analytica thing was so interesting to me. Like every every year, like some there's always one or two headlines that just pique my interest. Um because it and I don't think I talked about this movie on here, but if you like to go down the rabbit hole of like government and media and people and just how we operate, watch the movie Network. That's, I, I, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. You did? Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I saw it in high school once. <sighs> yes. It's a different movie. It's, it's a di- like, I don't know. It was a different movie. Um, I think if I watch it again, it'll be even more haunting. Mm-hmm. It it seems like so many people have had the answers for so long, and it's it's almost like like that's that's one of the keys to life. Is like you can have all the information that you want, but like what are you gonna do with it? Mm-hmm. Um, which reminds me of kind of like where we want to take this this podcast more progressive and proactive so to speak so yeah this this um hidden video basically out um wait wait wait. yeah i I heard that one um i actually hit the mute button because i was coughing i think i I just started talking too soon okay okay edit point one so edit point two Edit point three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the the end result of this podcast is gonna be like, I, I, ooh, I thank you. I, it's gonna be a five minute podcast, and we're gonna lose all seven of our listeners. That'll be the last straw. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is I've given these guys so many chances. So, so many chances. They, they just literally don't it's almost like they get worse every episode. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um so I think I was talking about this hidden camera video that basically got sent to a bunch of news outlets of I don't know if it was an actor, um, but there was a character, there there was a man who was pretending to be a leader from another from a foreign country and he was basically posing that he needed somebody to help him win the election um and when i saw this video it instantly reminded me of the born identity um green zone I, i'm drawing a blank on all these other there's tons of movies out there about just like stuff that goes on overseas um and then like the people that are actually pulling the strings behind it and then the little piece at the end that they put on the news. Um, so this this hidden camera video that showed this man coming to this company, Cambridge Analytica, and saying, hey, like, I want to win this election. 
how can you guys help me do this? And they're basically bragging in this public setting about how they've won so many and changed um, so many elections o- over their career, this and that. And of course, they mention Trump, I believe, at one of those meetings and how they either plan on helping him win or, the, or they helped him, whatever. So this, this footage basically came out and blew the lid on this whole thing. Um, so that's what initially drew me to it was because it was when I watched it, I felt like I was watching the scene out of a movie, like stuff that we own, that we think in our general pop minds as fiction. Like here we have video evidence that no, like this actually goes down like that in broad daylight. People are propositioning to, to win political battles. Mm-hmm. How about how about yourself? How how did you hear about this, and how did you um, get drawn to it? So I used to be a big fan of uh, the news cycle, uh, especially Rachel Maddow. Um, so I remember when this story was happening; it was all the news. Uh, Rachel would always like reference this person on Twitter and he would always like give these really cryptic tweets and it would just be like TikTok or boom when like a big news story would hit almost like he was on the inside and like he knew when these stories were coming out mm-hmm. turns out it is this guy named David Carroll who is actually like the main character of this documentary um, The Great Hack and you know at first I thought that that was like really endearing and kind of like a cool insider thing that this this mysterious person was doing and it turns out that like it's david carroll and he is a guy who is like suing cambridge analytica so he's like right in on all these things that were going on as they were happening um and so after watching this documentary i have like different views about him um Hold on, can I I stop you real quick? Yes. So when you said David Carroll, I thought you were talking about the guy who worked for Cambridge Analytica who was sending the TikTok thing. No. Oh, see, I don't don't have this take on it yet. Please, please explain. Yes, yes. I'm very excited to talk about this because our views are going to be very different. Mm, Okay. And I think that'll be good. So, um, yeah, so that's... That's how I found out about this documentary. Um, and then I just like kind of, I just saw it when I was swiping through um, uh, Netflix a couple days ago, or like maybe a week ago. And then you had messaged me and said, hey, did you see this documentary? Do you want to talk about it? And I'm like, hell yeah. Like, sweet. I definitely want to talk about it because um, my views are, are oddly different than I thought that they might be going into it. Mm. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear. So let's talk about like what you thought was good about this documentary. Um, I appreciated the awareness and the gravity of it all because to me this this is kind of the next, not the next. It's it's a very important discussion that needs to be had. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody predicted how big social media would be and I think a lot of people are taking advantage of that um, and they're maybe doing some unethical 
things behind the scenes and are using a lot of things against us, so to speak. Yeah. With without free, free will is very important to me, um, because that that is a it should be a human right. Um, so when you start flirting with that, that is essentially playing God. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody that loves a good sci-fi movie knows that's when all the shit hits the fan. So. Y'all got to recognize when you've gone too far and dial it back, mm-hmm. first off. Secondly, other good things, um, the media. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see a lot of media frenzy in The Great Hack, like surrounding when Brittany Kaiser was going to testify or when David Carroll was going to do his thing. Um it seemed very chill, like very hush hush. That there was a few reporters, but most of them, I got the feel, I got the vibe, like this was bigger overseas than it was in America. It was, yeah. Initially, it definitely was. Okay. Yeah. So that that stuck out in my mind because, like I said, this this is kind of a big deal in my eyes. Um, also, one of the questions I wanted to ask was how much is our data worth to them? Like, I would like to know, because I'm sure they have these stats. I would like to know what what they get paid for our data. Um, and then I also think that if any, any business people out there, young entrepreneurs, um, a great business idea would be to get start a company that basically advocates on behalf of humans as far as you know if we do want to sell a company our data like give us a chance to make some money um i think the problem that a lot of people have with it now certainly the problem i have with it is that we we don't know what information you're giving to who Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, if you don't have anything to hide, like you shouldn't be worried about it. But it's it's bigger than that. Um, it's bigger than having a skeleton in your closet mm-hmm. and not wanting it to get out. It's it's um, it's what what exactly do we have the rights to and what exactly should companies have the rights to just because we click and accept um an agreement before we download a piece of software. Mm-hmm. So that's that's essentially the good. Like it, this documentary made me think about a lot of things, and um, yeah, it definitely educated me on a few. What what was your take on like what, what were some of your takeaways? Uh, f- for the goods, I I did have a couple things. Um, so one, I would say that. The graphics were really good. <laughs> oh, okay. In the beginning, uh-huh. uh, when they were like kind of visualizing how data kind of like escapes into the ethers, you know. So when you like, he had this analogy of, or there was this sequence of him like leaving his office and going back to his house, and so you kind of see like when he's like texting and it says, 
he's texting somebody i'm i'm on my way home and then he goes to the subway and he pays for a metro card and then he gets the metro card he swipes it so we know you know that you're on your way home Mm -hmm. and that's from wherever you're coming from you're coming from west 4th street stop let's say yeah um and you know that's how we kind of like link those two together like we could probably find out where you live if you text you know getting off the subway here or you know you have an app that's running location and i know Mm. your location when you come above ground and when you have service again you know these are like data points that are easily are easily like matched together and the way that they kind of like visualize that i thought was really cool Mm -hmm. um there is this one scene in the very beginning where david um the the professor is like quote unquote teaching a class i'm sure it's been scripted but he asked a question um how many of you guys think that your phone is listening listening to you based on the conversations that you've heard and pretty much the whole class like raises their hand and raises their hands and then he chuckles and says that's actually more evidence that um the algorithms are so accurate that you think that your phone is listening to you so initially i was very repulsed by this comment because i'm like that i i have been in in circumstances where i know that my phone is listening to me yes. because within minutes i get um an ad about that thing we're talking about so i did my research i looked up this myth and um it actually is a myth and so i was thinking about the most common situation or the 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 most common like allegory that I give for this, for this uh, point that I have, is that one time my friends from DC were coming to visit us here in New York. It's a gay couple, and they were recently engaged before they met us. So they were coming up to visit, and we were talking in our kitchen, and we happened to be talking about like wedding rings or wedding bands, and. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, you know, I I always end up like taking mine off when I go to the gym and it's just annoying to have to take it on and off. And they're like, oh, you should get these rubber wedding bands. You know, you can get them on Amazon. They're like, you can get five of them, five of them for 20 bucks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And then like 10 minutes later, I get an ad on Instagram for these rings. So I knew I thought I knew that that was evidence of my phone listening to me. And then I pieced it together. My friends are from DC. They could have easily said, we're going to NYC this weekend, or even if they didn't, GPS tracker says, or can see that they were in DC. Now they're in NYC. Who else lives in NYC? Ed and Frankie. And location tracker says that they're the same place that Ed and Frankie calls home. And Rob just bought this rubber ring. And it's possible that these are two gay couples that they might talk about this thing. Mm -hmm. Therefore, an ad is served to me. Now, working in an e-commerce company, we don't do data this deep. But I have worked for other analytic companies, and I see how deep and how specific this data can actually be 
Uh-huh. Like I've seen things that will, you know, send chills down your spine. Um, mm-hmm. You got to be careful about how much information you give. And that's like what I think was good about this is that the general public doesn't know anything about the truth of Cambridge Analytica and the truth of data in general and like people think that we just don't do Facebook anymore well there's a big reason why we don't do Facebook anymore and part of it is because of the annoying like things that our friends and family say on there (laughs) but this wasn't always the case and Cambridge Analytica is largely a part of the reason why we see our friends and family now doing more posts like this because Cambridge Analytica has made it um, acceptable to talk about these things. Um, And I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about why that is the case later on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I thought was good about this documentary. I think, I think it gives the general public a, a, a lot to think about and really consider. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, you know, you come from a programming background. How likely is Terminator to happen? Like, how likely is it that, for example, the, the rabbit hole train of thought I was going down was um, people start protesting for the unlawful use of their data after, like, everything comes out. And so the companies, of course, they've seen how much money can be made in this industry and they love it. So they don't want to abandon it altogether. So what they do is, and I hope I don't create this reality, they figure out how to make machines do the jobs. And so now the machines have all this data. And just like those little AI, whatever things that Facebook started communicating in their own language, you know, essentially it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. So how how likely is Terminator? Um, the the core the core functionality of of what made Terminator the Terminator, um, and and let's like give some reference for mm-hmm. what that means. If if you haven't seen the Terminator movies, uh, you really should because they're incredible movies. First off, T um, two was one of the most expensive movies ever produced uh-huh. and it shows yeah. um, it's just great. But the, the backstory is, is that this software company called Cyberdyne was basically like making software that was self-learning and they were eventually like contracted by the government and this soft learning or this, this, um, self-learning software outlearned the humans and it saw humans as a threat and and it destroyed the humans. It was a very good intentioned thing and um, it just got too powerful. And like, let's be honest, in that situation, the computers were right. Humans are the threat. Right. Um, And so when we talk about like how real is this, it's already happening Mm -hmm. and so there's like two new avenues of programming, newer. Um, there's AI, artificial intelligence, and there's also something called machine learning. 
Machine learning is essentially writing code to teach computers to think for themselves. And when we write code normally for like the web or for software, we say we basically are doing like an input output type thing. So a user gives me this type of input based on this input and where they're giving it to me, I'm gonna give you this type of output. Okay, so machine learning is saying, what if I could predict the inputs that the user is gonna give me? Then I can give my own output. And basically machine learning is like the things that we see for like algorithms when we look at Instagram, when we look at Spotify, and we look at like, like Spotify's weekly mix for you. That's an example of machine learning. Right. It takes your listening habits, it takes your genres that you like, and a machine learns, it predicts what you might like next related to what you have. Yes. And that's how we get that. And that's on a very like safe scale. But we're looking at self-driving cars now. Mm. That is an example of machine learning. Not only does it look at the environment and analyzes things based off of the computer or the, the programmer's inputs, but it takes that new data and says, okay, I'm in California, the, the traffic is horrible here. No one programmed and told me that this zip code 90210 is, is like traffic central. I just know that I've been in the street for like five days now, traffic's crazy. Let me adapt to this new thing. Let me learn how to do it. Somebody programmed how to tell the computer to learn, but no one actually told them what the input was gonna be. So mm. how likely is Terminator? The, the stepping stones, the, the foundation is already there, uh, which is which is kind of like what this documentary is really about. Um, so, yeah. Damn. So, a yeah. couple things. So, programmers are kind of like parents because, mm -hmm. I mean, and, and the computers are your babies. So you have to, like, teach. You, you basically give the computers everything they know. Mm -hmm. essentially or, or the websites whatever you're you know programming over there mm -hmm. um that's incredible it's yeah it's very mm, that's huge and the, the the way i like to explain programming to someone who's like i want to get into programming and whatever blah blah is i like to use the analogy of making a peanut butter jelly sandwich mm -hmm. so and I think your analogy is actually really good too when you're talking about like, it's like being a parent. It mm -hmm. is like being a parent. When I say to you, go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you go to the kitchen, you know how to make a PB&J. Right. When I tell a computer how to make a PB&J, I can't say just that. I have to say, go to the kitchen, open the cabinet, take out the bread, make sure there's enough bread. You know, put the two slices of bread next to each other, put on the jelly on one side, put the Butter, peanut butter on the other side put them together all that stuff yes however yes. i left out a lot of details there what does peanut butter look like what does jelly look like how do i spread the jelly mm. like is this like what kind of texture is the jelly do i need to like spread it hard or spread it soft what kind of texture is the peanut butter these are all things that are like uh, that need to be defined somewhere Mm -hmm. And a programmer is the one who's like going to define all these different things. So you have a you have a program running that tells you the consistency of peanut butter. You have a program telling you 
how full the peanut the the slices of bread or your loaf of bread is like do i have enough to make a pb and j i don't know there's a program that tells you how to do that but me telling you go make a pb and j is an example of of it's something that I've already programmed you to, to know. Mm-hmm. So when you're like training a child, how to like learn to cook for themselves. Eventually you have to go through those steps. And, but then eventually you can say, go in the kitchen, make me a chicken tetrazzini. Right. Chicken tetrazzini. <laughs> right. And now, they'll know how to make it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Did, did Facebook not create, another programming language called react that essentially it was like a cheat code into, into programming. So like now when you say go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, react is like tells the computer, okay, this is how you make a peanut butter jelly sandwich. You are wrong. Okay. React is um, a framework. Okay. Let me, let me set this back a little bit. Uh, React, I, I do want to say, is one of the greatest inventions in <laughs> web development. Mm-hmm. Okay, I program in React. It's one of the hottest program or like frameworks out there when it comes to web development. Um, if you're a JavaScript developer in the web, you likely work with React. So React is a framework, and basically what it does is it gives you these wrappers to create. It gives you like these um, these defined variables that you can then do what you need to do in code. So basically, it's like an easier way to make user interfaces. So when you go on to Instagram, that's built in React. Like somebody had to build it and say like, this is what an image looks like, blah, blah. But I can wrap these things in these React components is what we call them to basically just like make it easier for the web browser to understand what we're saying. Mm-hmm. So it's not a it's not a language. The language is JavaScript and JavaScript has been around since the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's um it's it's a higher order. It's an abstraction of JavaScript to where we can use certain things within React and then React will compile down into JavaScript. So yeah. it's just it's just JavaScript. Okay. And and actually what makes React so good is that it's so tied to JavaScript. Uh-huh. Um that hold on. I'm gonna wait for this background noise. Is uh American Psycho chopping somebody up in the background? I don't like, know. Is that a chainsaw? It's just like you know, it's not great, you know. I don't know. It's not <laughs> great. Living in New York City, it's tough. It really is. Um, yeah, so basically like one of the good things about React and why a lot of engineers like to use it is that it's it's so closely tied to just JavaScript. Mm -hmm. Like React is like one of the lightest frameworks out there. It doesn't like, it doesn't tell you to use its paradigm or its way of thinking. It's like, no, I'm going to give you these tools. I'm going to give you like a basic tool set that's far superior, top of the line basic like 12 kit tool set but you have to make everything yourself Mm -hmm. i'm just giving you the best tools to do it so that that's what react it is created by facebook 
um, but it's actually open sourced, which means that anyone can contribute to it. Anyone can use it. It's free to use. They're not collecting any data from it. It's just. Mm, is that what they told y'all? Well, there's there's like a lot smarter engineers out there that have built the software and could read it from from the code. Mm. Yeah. And anyone can tr can contribute to it or take out from it. And it's that's the joys of open source. And that's actually like, I don't, I don't think we can talk about that in this podcast, but open source is, is one of the things that can actually save this tech revolution that's happening. Mm. Yeah. I can see that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank yeah. you for that breakdown. Appreciate it. Yeah. Sorry about that. You know, got me, got no, me going. I mean, it got a little technical. It, yeah, sorry a, a, a lot went over my head, but uh -huh. I'm, I'm sure some uh, up and coming programmer out there is going to listen to this um, 10 years well, from I mean, now. And, I, I think this is a good time as, as ever to let people know that I'm actually launching a second podcast. Oh, yes, please promote yourself. Um, I'm launching a second podcast here in the next few weeks, and it's actually going to be my own personal story of how I am trying to level up. Um, as a software engineer and um, it'll be called well uh, it'll be called well developed um, and it's basically yeah just like my story of how I got started as an engineer and how I'm trying to make myself a better well-rounded human being which is going to make me a better engineer but back to uh, the great hack um, Matt, I would love to know what you thought was bad about this. Uh, sorry, my, my headphones popped out for a minute there. Uh-oh. Hope I didn't miss anything. No, nothing important. Okay. Um, I, I think, wait, hold on. You're mentioning your, your new podcast. Yes. I can't wait to listen to that. Shout out to Eddie. We support everything you do over here. Hey, thanks, man. Yes. Um, just, just trying to make a difference out here in these streets. I see that. Yeah. I, I see that. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, you said what was the bad? What was the bad? Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry, I'm trying to fix my headphones. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really didn't have a lot of negatives. I was very interested and gross and thralled um, from start to finish. I would have liked... Maybe maybe they could have waited a little bit longer to release this so I could have got some more updates mm -hmm. at the end, um, because I, I feel like a lot of a lot of times these news stories are so fresh and they they kind of take a while to hash out that we as a people kind of forget about them. Mm -hmm. um, just thinking about some other things like all those flights that just you know have been shot down or just disappear over the ocean with all these very intelligent and politically connected people and you know it's, it's huge news for a while and then it just disappears mm -hmm. it's so it's so eerie it's so eerie but um so yeah i think that was my my main drawback was i, I wanted a, a few more updates on kind of the resolution of everything which apparently um of course is still ongoing but uh how about you what well what i negatives? i have I have some good news and some bad news. Okay. Um, the good news is for you, I have updates on your desire for updates. What? Um, and the bad news is that this is where I'm actually going to be going into yet another rant. 
um, in this bad section. The update is that, uh, you know, you wanted to know how this resolved. And I'll tell you, it's it's been resolved. There is no resolve. The resolve was the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we saw from that, it was nothing, really. Um, we didn't find out. We found out a lot of information. You know, we found out a lot of things that would probably get in tr- get Trump in a lot of trouble. Um, but there's nothing that can really be done because Mueller decided not to prosecute. So that's that's one. Uh, Cambridge Analytica went bankrupt. They cleaned out their offices. We are done for. If they helped Trump win this election, which is very argue, arguable that they did, mm-hmm. and they they probably did, yeah. um, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because of a few different things. And this is where I kind of get into my bad. Okay. So when you ask me about my bads of this documentary, I would probably say mostly everything. Um, I think that this documentary has a lot I don't like it for a lot of the reasons that I didn't like the HBO show um, Years and Years. Did you watch that, Joe? I have not seen that show yet. Okay. Uh, don't waste your time, to be honest. Oh, really? um, yeah. It's, it's, it's pandering to an audience that doesn't need to hear it. So what I mean by that is, like, there are some shows that are just very left. Mm. That they're, they're just very left. Right. Mm-hmm. And and they're so left that the people who actually need to see this information will not get past the first episode or in this documentary's instance, will probably not get past the first five or ten minutes. It feels like propaganda for the left and for a lot of good reasons. One, it it's not very um, it's not very balanced in its opinion. I, I think that's. Cambridge Analytica can be seen as the villain in a lot of different ways. But I think that the former CEO of Cambridge Analytica, um, Alex something, uh-huh. doesn't even matter what his name is, nope. um, was was testifying in the UK. And he said, I think and one of the one of the people, one of the senators who was like prosecuting him or asking him questions was like, it's so weird that you keep talking as if you're the victim and I'm not sure how you could be the victim. Can you explain to me how you think that you deserve, um, that you shouldn't be blamed for this? And Alex says, well, I think that the media wanted something to blame this election on and they blamed it on us. And in all reality, we just like kind of exposed things that were already there and we used it to our candidates advantage. And I I have to agree with him in that aspect, because here's the moral of the story. We give our data extremely willingly and unknowingly. However, there's plenty of research out there that shows that we should have been knowing. So Netflix actually had a documentary a while ago called uh, Terms and Conditions. And it was basically like the pre- pre- that, the precursor to all of this stuff uh-huh. where they were talking about how, hey, when you like sign on to Facebook, 
you give them a right to all your data. When you go on Instagram, when you go on WhatsApp, WhatsApp has allegedly the the privilege of viewing all the messages messages that you send and receive. And when you sign up for the service, you agree to that in the terms and conditions. You know, it's that like it's that long, 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 long PDF that nobody ever reads. Sometimes, you know, you sign up for something and might at, like force you to actually scroll down to the bottom, but no one's reading it. They know that maybe we should do something about that. Make it shorter, make it more readable, whatever. But it's intentional. They don't want you to read it. There's a lot of details in there that they don't want you to see. And at the end of the day, what they're saying is anything that you do on this app, I have a right to. When you close the app on an iPhone, for example, when you close an app on an iPhone, it doesn't fully close. It's still running in the background. Mm. If you close it and it's running in the background, I can still get all that data. When you go into Yelp, right, and you sign on to Yelp on your phone and then you go to Boston next weekend Mm -hmm. and you get a notification saying, hey, you're in Boston. You want to see new restaurants? Yeah. Because Yelp has access to your location services that you have agreed to. So this seems very like small and inconsequential, but these data points can be connected in multiple different ways. That is what Cambridge Analytica did. This is a analytics company. There are hundreds and thousands of analytics companies throughout the world on some of the your favorite websites that you go to like Nike.com. Well, they hire an analytics company to like take the data in, to analyze it, or they might have an internal one. A lot of times, you know, they're outsourcing this stuff. This company, like their sole thing is analytics. They're gonna tell you what the users are doing on your site. And based on these users and for this demographic, this is what you should serve the content. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times if I go to, you know, uh, amazon.com and you go to amazon.com, we might get different things served on our homepage. And that's based on the data from previous things that you've done on the internet, on your phone, on your, on your, on your laptop. Like these things are all connected and these are things that we've all agreed to. And that's what Cambridge Analytica exposed. Now they exposed it for evil. And when we're talking about Terminator before the, the steps to create a Terminator like thing is already there. You just need a company that's going to be able to leverage it for, the wrong things and and they got it like artificial intelligence is extremely well developed already mm-hmm. we j- it, all you need is a company that is malicious to make it do the wrong things and it's out there there's a lot of ai software that's open source anyone can contribute to it they're growing rapidly like these are huge things that are unregulated by the government and the only good thing about the Cambridge Analytica thing is that it was exposed to even the government level, how much power these tech companies have. Because in the documentary, they actually say one good thing. Like there's a reporter who's talking about, um, uh, you know, Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and how much data they have, blah, blah. And what does she say in it? Oh my God. 
she says that you know before we just like saw these like ceos of these tech companies as these guys in t-shirts and hoodies and now we see them as like the big power moguls that they are Mm -hmm. they are multi-billion dollar industries and we don't pay anything to to make it so and it's it's almost like what did you think was happening you get to use a software like facebook that is incredible we use it all the time it's always on your phone and you don't pay one red cent for it how do you think that this is one of the top companies in the world how do you think they're monetizing it's off of the data that we give them willingly and they have every right to it so you know the point of this documentary was to um was to kind of like follow David Carroll as he follows or as he like files the suit with Cambridge Analytica. I'm sure that he knew full well that he had no real right to this data mm-hmm. and he was just doing it to like prove a point. And I think the point was proven um, because Cambridge Analytica pled guilty to not giving him his data, but they didn't give him his data right. and they didn't tell him what it was being used for. Um, so what I don't like about this documentary, getting back to this point, mm-hmm. is that this is a documentary that is so almost propaganda for the left that the people who need to hear this information aren't going to watch it. And the people who will watch it are the people who already are on the right side of history, if you will. Um, I hated I was disgusted by Brittany Kaiser uh-huh. um, in a lot of ways. One, she's not a whistleblower. She is, I think, she is a, is a person who, who saw that Cambridge Analytica was going down and tried to save herself by being a whistleblower, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Because the whole time, this is what annoyed me. When we first were met, or when we first were introduced to Brittany Kaiser, she was at uh, Burning Man. Burning Man is not a cheap oh, uh, festival. Okay. Yeah. Out in yeah. LA? I mean, LV? It's somewhere. Somewhere over there. I don't know. It's like so it's a white people thing. You know, I don't yeah. know. Did you see one black person in that scene? I did not. I was like, oh, did, okay. is this a... Like, I thought she just did it for the documentary. Like, I didn't even know that was the festival. Yeah, that's the festival, and it's this big ceremony that they have every year where they build, like, this huge wooden thing, and then they burn it, and, like, you write down things that you want to go away. It sounds very paganistic. You know, it's like like Midsommar all over again. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So... Mm. So she was there. And then the next time we see her, she is in Bali on like this private yacht. And she's in this like fancy hotel with the infinity pool. And then we see her getting picked up at the airport in a private car. And then she's going to like this really extremely fancy hotel with the personal security guard and all this stuff. And I'm like, you seem to be doing fine now. At first, I was like, oh, she's just rich. Like, she's fine. She could do this because, you know, she was in this big, like, tech firm. Right. And then her mom calls her and is like, yeah, I'm short on $1,000. You know, um, I'll, I'll be okay, but, like, 
you know, don't worry about it. And she's like reluctantly like, oh, you know, I can lend lend you a thousand dollars. And it just it felt weird, right? Because clearly this is a person who recently came into this money and is just like spending it extremely frivolously. Mm-hmm. Because like I, I don't think real rich people spend like that. Like those are usually the people who want to show it off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's like the vibe that I got from her. Here's this like rich elite person who is all of a sudden gone good because when the money was there, she turned bad. You know, she was working for the Obama campaign and she even said herself that she was doing all this work for human rights right. and she wasn't seeing anything. It felt like she was spinning her wheels. Okay. Well now here's the right wing. You can actually make a difference. You can do all this stuff. I can like, let me buy you liquor and seal your secrets is something that she said. And she like fell into it. She got into like a really dark place, but she made a shit ton of money. And now when she saw that that bridge was burning, she's going to jump off of it and try to save herself. The only time in the whole documentary that we ever saw any type of real emotion from her, other than this like fake stuff, like, Oh my God, I have all the emails, blah, blah, blah. Like (laughs) only time I saw real emotion from her is when she tried to escape from uh, from New York to like Europe and she had just recently been subpoenaed because it had been exposed that she was talking to Julian Assange and had given money to WikiLeaks. Mm-hmm. She had been subpoenaed by the Mullers or by Mueller mm-hmm. and couldn't fly out. That's the only time I saw any real emotion from her, that whole documentary. And that's kind of why I'm like, this girl is a fraud. She's she's not doing it because she feels bad. She's doing it because she doesn't want to get in trouble. And now that she does she that, see that she's in trouble, now she has to like try to do as much as he can to like get out of it. Um, I thought that David Car- Carroll is not the person that we should be following during, during the story. I feel like he's extremely like snarky and there is this perception of Democrats that they are coastal elitists. And when I see Brittany and David, that's exactly who I see. These people who would think that they're better than everybody else and that like they know all the answers to all these things. And that's the problem. That is why I feel like there is this divide going on in this Mm -hmm. country Mm -hmm. because we have these people who say how can you be racist like it's 2019 how can you do all this stuff blah blah and then you have the other side who's like this is how i grew up i don't know that i'm racist i don't think that i'm racist but you calling me a racist makes me want to be on the other side it makes me want to fight even harder to protect my own rights my own beliefs i don't think that most of these people are racist i think that they just feel like they're being attacked all the time and they now they just feel like they need to have a side and what cambridge analytica has done is basically through their advertising through their fake ads saying like hey there's other people out here who feel like you so you should you should be able to be more vocal because other people feel like you too even though mm-hmm. those aren't real people so they're they're most so associating these people who feel a certain type of way with another group of people um and they're i, I understand what you're saying they're, they're not they don't really have 
a common a common uh, goal, but they're both angry or, or they're both frustrated. So they kind of group them together and say, hey, both of you frustrated people meet each other. Right. Exactly. I, that That's that's how I feel is is why we're seeing this divide. You know, when when Obama was president, everyone thought that racism was over, but it wasn't over. People just weren't being as loud about it as mm-hmm. they were before. Right. Now they have a reason to be loud because they feel like they there's other people in their court too. Right. I don't think if you went to a Trump supporter and like listed off all the shitty things that Trump has done that they would agree with every single one of them. Right. I, I, I don't think that. However, I do think that they feel mad enough with the other side where they're going to align with Trump and what he thinks, even though they don't agree with 100% of everything he says, just to be on the other side. And it's the same way with like Democrats, is that do I believe everything that every candidate is talking about? Like, do I believe in free health care for all? Do I believe in like abolishing health care? Do I believe that every single person who crosses the border should not be convicted? Not with every single one of those things. Mm-hmm. But the opposite is, but, but at this point right now, there's only one of two sides. You're either with the light or the dark, and the, you you can't pick sides. And I think that like because of because of the inner twim- turmoil that's already been there, all you needed was the spark to kind of create this divide between us two. And Cambridge Analytica really just found what was bad and what was divisive and manipulated that. It was already there. The data showed them that this is how they could make an impact, and that's exactly what they did. Um, so that's like that's why I didn't like this documentary, and I and I also feel like it was very surface. I feel like we were getting like the bare minimum of like what actually was going on. Um, I, I think that there is like a wealth of information for this stuff. And it's actually why I don't watch the news anymore because after the Mueller report, I was just like, I have devoted a lot of brain stuff to, to or a lot of brain space to the stuff that in the end, it didn't seem like it mattered. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a lot like the, uh, the airplanes that vanish. Um, this whole Mueller report thing, it kind of left me wanting more. And it's, I mean, it's all politics and I'm sure it's all tied to money somehow and it sucks and it doesn't make sense. But I mean, that's the nation we live in. It's the nation we live in. And I think that for me, the main thing is that we need to be more aware of how we spend our time online. Um, I don't think that it's bad that I get served this content that's specifically geared for me based on like things that I've researched in the past. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't mind that. And I think it's very helpful in many ways. Like I spend less time searching for things. I don't have to remember like, Oh, what is that thing that Rob told me about last week? No, right. it's literally served for me. There's a lot of good things, but the bad thing about it is that we don't know how far any of this stuff goes and that is where i get concerned it's like now if i sign up for a new app or or see a new service online that i want to sign up for 
I don't give them my Facebook data. I just, I give them my email. Like that's how I sign up for things. I used to do everything through Facebook because why not? You it know, easy. it was easy. And now it's like, no, no, no. I don't need them aggregating data from this website down to Facebook and then me getting served content on my Facebook. It's just no. And then who knows how Facebook is delivering their data right. um, and who they're delivering it to. So it's just it's too it's too risky. Oh, man, I really hope somebody does like an AMA on Reddit or something about this topic. Mm-hmm. Just just so we can get a honest look at like the, the current situation. And I'm talking about like from from some of those engineers that you mentioned that like the most brilliant ones who like develop React and stuff. Um, I would love to see how far it goes. Oh yeah, I mean it, it. It can go as far as you think it can go. I mean that's the reality of it. Is that at this point our minds are still pretty minuscule to the depth of like how much data can can or how far data can go. I mean the thing about it is is that at the deepest part of what you of what data you can get into on Facebook, mm-hmm. we you don't know where that connects you. Like, what if, what if Facebook can tell you when you started your first job in your new career? Like, what data is that pointing to? Because when we think of data, you know, like there is one way to think about it. It's like an Excel spreadsheet where it's just a list of all these different things. And when you log in, when you log out, like where you visit, all this stuff. But it's actually not. It's it's a spider's web, and it's a spider's web of nodes. So when we talk about like these points on an Excel spreadsheet, think about them as they are nodes on this Excel spreadsheet, where like if you get to the very bottom of that spreadsheet, that piece of data is a node, and that data can link to 10 other websites. And those 10 other websites are are getting a bunch of information based off of that one node, the very like ground floor level of data that Facebook is is delivering. And I'm not just talking about Facebook because they all do it. I mean, we talked a little bit about the Face app um, a while ago and how they now have access to all of your photos. Well, what if that's connected to Facebook? If I have a, a photo that's from 10 years ago, there's metadata in that photo that tells me where I was, where, who I was with in that picture and all that stuff. They could link to Facebook to see like, oh, you're with Frankie. Well, this is around the same time when you met Frankie. Frankie before this was at blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know, like these things go deep. It's a very, it's a deep, dark web and it it goes it goes as deep as you can imagine it mm. that um it kind of reminds me of there there's a youtube series called weird city have you seen that no i haven't any episodes I, okay i i would recommend it um i think it's produced by jordan peele and lavar burton is in it but there's a bunch of a-list actors michael Sarah. Um, I can't remember these other two, but Rosario Dawson's in one, and there it's kind of like Black Mirror, but a little shorter and a little more 
like for lack of a better word, a little more silly. Um, but it's still futuristic, and what you just said reminded me of that. It takes data to another level, like the first episode. Mm. Um, so highly recommend that to our listeners. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that that deep dive on that. Yeah, I, man. Now, now that you say that, um, I I can kind of see where you were coming from with the Brittany Kaiser and how her and David came came across. I, I did think he was very blunt and. You said kind of snarky. I can see that. And um, Brittany, I just felt like she was like emotionally almost detached or like she just didn't feel comfortable um, expressing her emotions on camera. I don't know. That, that's how I took it is that she was just weird on camera. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I can look at it in some other ways now. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched it a second time and that's when I felt like, hmm. I don't know about her. Oh God, yeah. what side, man? What side do we get on? Yeah. It's I, I, I think, I mean, the side is uh, of what the documentary is saying. Like, I don't disagree with anything that the documentary was saying. I just have a problem with the approach. And, like, when things like this come out, who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like you're talking to the people who already know this stuff, who is already on your side, and this is just like fuel for the fire that's already going. I, I think that the hearts and minds that need to be changed are from the people on the other side, the people who don't know the truth. And this is not the way that someone in the middle of the country is going to get exposed to this because this looks like all the reasons why they don't agree this is this to me looks like all the reasons why they think that the trump investigation is a witch hunt like Mm -hmm. this documentary is evidence of that is is how i feel and i'm trying to look at it from the way of like let's actually like try to expose people to the truth of what is so i have a recommendation um and it's for a show called brexit and maybe I'll actually like talk about this more in um, when we talk about the random stuff later on. But it's, it's not a show; it's a it's a documentary movie. Um, it was released on HBO, I think, last year, and it stars Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, it's very good, and it's about it's about Brexit and how that actually came to be, and um, it follows the story of this campaign advisor for the for the leave eu campaign um the campaign that was highlighted a lot in in this uh documentary the great hack and it talks about this campaign manager who basically like crafted the slogan for leave eu who partnered with members of facebook to like craft this data now they don't mention cambridge analytica in it Mm. however i think it's because it was an active investigation they couldn't actually say Cambridge Analytica is my thought so they have like another company kind of in place of them Um, Mm -hmm. but they talk about like how they use this company to get all this data and how they were basically told the company like yo this is the message that I want to send and I need you to send it to the appropriate people because what what we didn't talk about is that Cambridge tactic is to 
use Facebook data, use these like personality surveys that I'm sure we've all have taken in the past and basically say like, who, who is undecided? Who is an undecided voter? And more so, who is an influential voter? Who can I target and say like, hey, you know, Black Lives Matters people are um, ruining everything. Don't mm. you agree? And those are the people that they targeted. And they were very uh, influential people. And they were influenced by these campaigns. And that's why there was this swell of of the right-wing, you know, white supremacist movement. And I was actually listening to a podcast earlier today um and it was kind of like talking a little bit about this in the light of the two shootings that we had going on um talking about trump and his racist rhetoric and what i thought was really interesting about the way that this guy put it is that trump is extremely smart and is trump a racist yes i'm sure it's at this point you you couldn't deny it However, is he like a blatant racist who thinks that like we should shoot people? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is enough people on his side where he can soak this fear and this like activism to unite his base and to enrage his base to where like this stuff is is okay. And I'm not justifying anything that he does, but what I'm saying is that he has found the weak spot. He's found the weak point in all these things that are going on and is simply exposing it. And that's what Cambridge Analytica did. They found the weak spot and they exposed it. Now, this exposure is ruining or has ruined the American and worldwide democracy. But these points were already there. And that's that's actually the point that we need to think more about you know we want to impeach trump but these people aren't getting it impeached as well his base aren't getting impeached they're still there and what we're not thinking about is like the heart of the situation and that's like actually why i love marianne williamson she'll never be the president unfortunately not at this point uh, because she's a little too woo woo at this point but she has great her message is extremely sound is that we live in a world where we always look at the causes of things, but we don't look at the reasons why they actually happen. And Trump is the, is the effect of the hatred and everything that's already been brewing in our world. But in reality, like these things are already there. And if you get rid of Trump, it doesn't mean that, this is going to go away and that's that's the problem that we need to look at yes so um matt yeah is there anything else you want to say about the great hack i know i like talked your ear off i'm very sorry no i appreciate you delving into that um i mean you're the subject matter expert on this so it's it's nice for me to get my uh i call it like my end user thoughts off and then you can kind of um, speak to those like with the reality of what you know from from your perspective. 
So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like when the end user like gets a pop-up on their machine and they're like, oh my gosh, am I hacked? And it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, you're not hacked. It's, no. Mm-hmm. So, appreciate that. We just, we just looked at your cookies that you agreed to. Uh-huh. And we, uh, we know when you're about to leave the site. You, you told us that we could do this. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Is that all this stuff, we said that it's okay for them to do it. And now that they're doing it, we're like, oh, wait. Right. We should rethink about this stuff. Right. And, yeah. you know, part of it from the end user perspective is the understanding. A lot of the times, like, we don't understand the gravity of of when we hit that accept button or give rights to look at the cookies or, um, or you know, the, just give access to our, our lo- some simple thing like location. I mean, not a simple thing, but... You know, a simple thing like location. Like, I, I think people want so bad to, you know, they value sharing and, um, you know, they, they want the likes and the popularity and the fame. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people do just want to communicate with family and friends. But I think majority of people, it's more so of the egocentric thing. And, yeah, hopefully this, this causes, this is definitely going to make, force me to read more um i just need to be more responsible so yeah Yeah. data is very is very costly um yeah so all right matt well another great episode another great one um so guys stay tuned for thursday's episode where we'll be discussing some random life stuff and uh Please give us some feedback, what you guys think of this new short show format that we're testing out here. Um, if you think it's like good, bad, if you like the RLS, you want it to be longer. If you hate the movie review section, you want that to be shorter, like, please let us know. Um, a podcast has no name at gmail.com. Um, yes. Yeah. Any, any type of suggestions, any email will be appreciated. Yeah, let let us know that you're here, that you're listening and ask us questions. Like if you want to talk about something, hit us up. Yeah, we'll talk about it. All right, guys, until next time, we'll see you soon. Adieu. Bye.